Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, it's been an incredible weekend here at Journey Church, and uh, they had uh, like 1,200 uh, ladies here on, uh, uh, well, 600 on Friday night, 600 on uh, Saturday night, and then we had a special thing for the uh, cancer center that was done here on Saturday. So uh, it's been a lot of uh, a lot of good things that have been happening this weekend. But I want you guys, if you would, to give it up for our worship team and our production team. They have been working hard. They were here Wednesday night for students, Thursday night for rehearsal, Friday night for uh, for the unknown tour, Saturday morning, Saturday night, and they're here to to literally lead you guys in worship. So they uh, let's give them another one, man. They deserve it. They worked hard. We appreciate them. Thank you to all you guys. And so they uh, they do all kinds of stuff that nobody ever sees, but uh, man, they they sure are servants of the of the Lord. And so uh, we, we're thankful for them. If you're joining us online, welcome. And uh, thank you guys for being here today. But uh, we're in a series talking about feelings, and uh, not only about you guys, but I've heard a lot of people talk about feelings here lately. And maybe I'm a little more sensitive to it because I'm listening uh, for that. But I hear people say, "Well, I feel like you know," and I'm like, "Hey, make sure it's uh, you know facts, not feelings that you're making your decisions based on, right?" Because a lot of times we, we, it's all about the feelings. And this past week was Valentine's, I know. And so I'm probably going to sound like the meanest guy in the room. But a lot of times we're all up in our feelings that week, right? Maybe somebody didn't do what you thought they should have done. You got your feelings hurt, you know. But, uh, hey, we're going to talk about today. That's not what love is. Feelings is more than that. Feelings are not love. Feelings are not love. And I think sometimes we, we think, well, you know, it's gotta, I got to have the warm fuzzies. I've got to have all this, you know, feeling and emotion and everything for it to really be love. That's not true at all. It's what the world is selling, but God's Word tells us something different. And uh, so hopefully today, we walk out of here, we'll have a better understanding of what real love is, what love is that matters, what love is that comes from God, which is God. And so, uh, so hopefully today, as we walk out of here, you know, we'll, we'll realize, you know what, man, I can't get all up in my feelings all the time, and I can't make it based on my feelings. It's got to be based on something more than that. Because feelings ebb and flow, right? They change like the wind. So... 1 John 4, 7 through 10 says this, says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God, and anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. So in other words, to actually be able to really love at all, it comes from God, because God is love. And so we've got to kind of get our mind around that. And so if, they're, if we're filled with bitterness, hate, in, you know, envy, you know, all these sinful things, that's not of God. That's, that's of the enemy. You know, so we've got to be able to say, you know what, I want to know what God uh, says about it. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So if you don't know how to love anybody, now I'm talking about feelings again. Like I said, we, we kind of roll those all together. You know, especially here in America where we love everything, right? We love, we love ice cream. We love, you know, we love everything you can think of. Football, we love sports, we love whatever. We'll say we love everything. And so we kind of roll everything into that love category. And that's not really what we understand from, from, uh, from the Bible, from the text. And so we just say we love everything. And, uh, you know, you can, you, can love, you can love mud, you can love the rain, you can love whatever, you know, whatever. I mean, you can love everything. It's just kind of weird. And so, but anyway, uh, but says, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So God showed, his, showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. And so there's action that takes place there, right? So God is a God of action. He, he's a God of, you know, of mercy and of grace. But we see here, man, there's a God of action. He moved. So God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that he might, that we might have eternal life through him. Now I've got three boys and I can't imagine, you know, giving up one of my kids, one of my boys to, to go and die for the world for a people that are so broken, so messed up, you know, and that a lot of them, you know, don't even care. That's how much God loved us. So God sent his son to die for us when we were in our sin. We're going to unpack that a little bit today. And so that just shows you how much God loves us. This is real love. Not that we loved God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And so what God did was God said, hey, listen, they're broken. They're messed up. You know, every one of them. There's not one of them that is righteous, not one. And he says, so I'm going to send the righteous one to take care of their payment, their sin debt, if you will. And so, so God literally, in his love, he loved us so much, even in our brokenness, that he said, you know what? I'm going to send one to redeem them. I'm going to send the best that I've got. I sent my son. And so hopefully we understand that is true love. So the basis of true, real, and lasting love isn't about feelings at all. It's about choice. So it's not about feelings. You know, it's not about, you know, this, uh, this warm fuzzy. It's not about feelings. It's not about emotions. It's about a decision. It's about a choice that is made. And so whenever we, we choose Christ, when we choose Jesus, we, we're making a choice. We're making a decision to surrender our life completely to Christ. It's not like, hey, listen, I, I hope that I get that warm, fuzzy feeling. And I feel like there's times that people are kind of sitting around waiting on that warm, fuzzy feeling. Like, hey, man, I need to have that feeling. You know, like I can remember the night that I prayed to receive Christ. I was 19 years old. I can remember, I didn't know how to put into words what I felt. Literally, there was something that I did feel. But man, here's the thing. I knew, I knew that I was saved. Does that make sense? I knew. It wasn't a feeling. I knew that I was saved. Based on what Scripture says, I knew that I was a child of God. I was born again. I was redeemed. You know, and, and God was going to begin that, that sanctification process in my life. But I knew without a shadow of a doubt. And so that's why I was emotional. Because I knew that he had accepted me. Not based on my merit, but on what he had done. What Jesus had done, right? And, and so, so for me, the basis of true, real love that is lasting is about choice. It's about choosing to love. It's about choosing to love. It's not about feelings, not about emotions. It's not about, you know, the warm fuzzies. It's not what the world is selling you. It's what God's Word says. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, help me to really understand what love is. A.W. Tozer, many guys may have read some A.W. Tozer. Some of you guys may even use his devotional or whatever. But he says, you can will to love people. You can will. It's a decision of the will. It's, you can will to love people. Love is not a feeling. Love is a willing you're willing to love people. And the Lord says to love people. He did not mean to merely feel love for them. See, we're all about the feelings. And that, that's what we've been taught. And uh, many of you guys, maybe even by your parents, you know, they model for that, uh, that for you in, a, in maybe an unhealthy way that's all about the feelings. Uh, you know, and, and I say this often, you know, we, we have to look back at what our parents have taught us. And, and I love my parents. I love my mom. I love my dad. And so here's the thing is there were some unhealthy things in that home that I learned from them. And then here's the thing. I had to die to those things when I became a follower of Christ. And so there's many of you that you go, well, you know, that's the way my mama was, the way my daddy was. So what? You know, you got to be able to say, you know what? I want to be, I want to follow Jesus, not mom and daddy, right? And you got to be able to say, hey, look, God, change me, transform me, change the way I think, change the way that I live, change the way that I, I see love, change the way that I was taught if it was wrong. So we've got to be able to say, God, I want to choose to love people. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that's the love chapter. Most of you guys probably thought, well, we're probably talking about love today. We're going to talk about 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And it's because God gives a very uh, good definition of, uh, you know, to me, a good picture of what love looks like in this passage. It says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but, couldn't, uh, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Somebody who wants to be, I mean, I want to be able to speak before big crowds. I want to kind of, you know, have all these people listen to me or whatever. What Paul is saying, he goes, listen. He's, he's a believer. He's a father. He said, but even if I do this in front of all these people, if, if I don't love, he said, I'm just making noise. I'm just wasting airwaves. You know what I'm saying? I'm just wasting space. And so what he's saying, listen, man, it's all about love. So this is Paul writing to the church there in Corinth. He said, man, it's about love. It's about loving God, loving people. 
And so that's what our motivation is. It's not about numbers. It's about love. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, faith is important, isn't it? But didn't love others, I'd be nothing. And so this is kind of a hard thing here that Paul is saying. He said, if I had the gift of prophecy, been able to proclaim things, to speak things over people, he goes, if I understood all of God's secret, look at that, all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge. In other words, he knows God's will. In other words, he, knew, he knows everything. He knows all things. It would be like, oh, oh, wise one, let us come to Paul is what he's saying. You know, we would go to him and it would be like, you know what, hey, Paul knows, we'll ask him. And so what he's saying, man, if I had all of that, it wouldn't matter if I didn't love people, right? And if I had such faith that I could move mountains, and we know that faith is important. Faith in our prayers, faith in Jesus, right? So faith is more. But he says, if I had faith that could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Man, you're like, whoa, that's big. And so it's not about feelings. It's about love. It's about what true love is. And we're, again, we're, we're seeing what Scripture says. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And see, there's some people who want to give. And maybe you're like this. You, you go, hey, I want to give so that everybody can see what I gave. And if you do it so that people can see what you gave, you've already got your reward. That's what Scripture teaches us, right? And so we're like, hey, man, I, I want y'all to see what I'm doing over here. You know, I hope everybody notices this. Or, you know, we'll do things for the community. We'll do whatever. And we want everybody to notice that. Well, what Scripture says, you've already got your reward. It's, what we, it's when we give with the right heart and we give because of love, man, that God says, hey, man, I will bless that. So if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, he said, even if I put my life on the line, if I died, you know, but it was all for show and not for love, he said, it's nothing. I could boast about it. But, if I, but if, I didn't, if I didn't love others, I would gain nothing. So here's the thing. The only thing that we're supposed to really brag about or boast about is Jesus. Scripture tells us that. You know, you know and, and if you've ever been around somebody who likes to brag, it kind of it irritates you. You know, it kind of rubs you the wrong way. And so if you've ever been around someone who's always kind of bragging and kind of braggadocious, you can only take them in doses, right? Don't be that person, right? And so if you're going to brag about something, brag about Jesus. Don't brag about your kids. And I know some of your parents do that, right? Don't brag about your kids. You know, the Bible says let another man's lips, uh, you know, boast about you or, you know, give you, give you credit. So don't let your kid go around telling everybody how good they are because nobody will like them. So what you do is you, you can tell them a few things. You don't tell them too much to where you're filling their head with a bunch of lies. Because here's the thing, all these kids are broken in need of a Savior, and they're not perfect. There's nobody perfect, right? We're all in need of a Savior. And so... We've got to be willing to be honest. So love is patient. Now, this is tough. If you want to know what love is, love is patient. How many of you guys in here are patient? Raise your hand. I see about four of you. Three of you, maybe. I think there's some honest people in here. But that means that you're not love, right? Come on. I'm just saying, and let me tell you, I'm not the most patient person in the world. My staff will tell you that. My, you know, the saying around here is like, Mike wants that done yesterday. And I do. You know, I mean, just being honest. So I'm not the most patient person, but here's the thing. I've got to be willing to say, God, help me to be filled with patience. Help me to be a patient person. And I've heard people say, Mike, don't ever pray for patience because God will put you through hell. That is not true. But God uses the challenges in our life to develop perseverance, right? Which is a good thing. It's a God thing. And, and so love is patient and it's kind. So ask, you know, I won't ask you to raise your hand if, if you're kind, but I'll just say this. We're supposed to be patient and kind if we really are filled with God's love. 
if we're really a child of God, if we're really born again, if we really have Christ living within us, then we should be filled with patience and kindness, right? Now, we may be a work in progress. Like I said, that, that sanctification process is still in work, you know, and still, you know, still, God's still working that out. And some of you guys might say, well, that's where I'm at. You know, I'm still a work in progress. We all are. But here's the thing. Some of you guys need to be a, bit, a little bit further down the road than you are, right? We should be further along because we know what we ought to be doing. We just choose not to. That makes it about us, not about God. And so love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. And so here, there's a lot of people in this room that would say that they love their spouse, they love their girlfriend, or love their boyfriend or whatever. But here's the thing is if you're jealous, jealousy is not a part of that. That's sin. That's sin. So here's the thing. There's a lot of times we, we love somebody so much that we're super jealous of them. What that is is you are entangled in a sinful thing. And what you've done is you've allowed that person to either become an idol in your life and they're more important than what God's Word says because you're jealous of them rather than, you know, here's the thing, serving them, loving them the way that God's Word says. So you may justify the jealousy in your, in your marriage or whatever as, hey, I'm being protective. I think that all sh- there should always be good uh, guidelines and good boundaries in your marriage. All of us need those. But you make those decisions together. And you say, hey, listen, we want to be healthy, but we don't want jealousy. Jealousy is not a good, a good product in your marriage. So love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. So, you know, you, know, you can't go around and just say, well, I'm just going to say what I want to say, and that's it. You can't just be rude. That's not love, right? You got to think about, hey, how do I temper what I say? How do I say things in a way that hopefully they receive it the right way? It does not demand its own way. And that goes against probably everybody in the room, including myself, right? Because we are selfish individuals. We're self-centered by nature. Uh, we, want it, we want what we want when we want it. That's just how we are. And uh, even like for Valentine's, you may have, you know, in your mind, hey, this is what I want. This is what I hope he'll do. This is what I hope she'll do. And those things didn't happen because it was what you wanted, right? And uh, they may have wanted what they wanted, and it just didn't work out. Now, it's whenever we die to self and we begin to minister to each other's needs, that's whenever God tends to bless that, it seems. And things go, hey, man, it was a great evening. So it is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. Not irritable. So that's, you know, so feelings, you know, feelings ebb and flow, man. We can, we can be irritable. You know, we may not get enough sleep. You guys ever eat Mexican food and next, man, that night you have all kinds of crazy wild drinks? Well, I do. I eat Mexican food, man. And it's like, man, I, I, I ain't no telling what's going to happen that night, you know? And so, so my body just responds that way. And then there's other nights, I, you know, I'm thinking, I, I didn't eat Mexican. Why did I have all those crazy dreams last night? You know, and so you wake up tired. Uh, you wake up wore out. You know, you've been fighting fights or whatever all night. You're like, man, what was that about? And so the, all those things will affect our what? Our feelings. And our feelings literally ebb and flow. So we can wake up cranky. You can be a bear. You know, you're tired. You're irritable. All these things. But it is not irritable. That's a tough one. And it keeps no record of being wrong. That's a tough one. Because most of us go, hey, you know, you get me one time. You know, shame on me. Get two times, shame on you. Third time ain't going to happen type deal. Right. You know, that's kind of our mentality. But I'll, I'll just say this, that we've got to be willing to say, you know what? We've got to be willing to forgive as Christ forgave us. Because I think all, everybody in this room has wronged Christ. We've wronged the Father. But yet he offers forgiveness. He is rich in mercy and forgiveness. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, that's, that's what love is. Now, that doesn't sound like the world's version, does it? It sounds different, right? It, it is different. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Now, if you remember, we just kind of talked about the, uh, the battle armor of God and the belt, the belt of truth, the Word of God. That's Jesus. Jesus was the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. So it rejoices when the truth wins out. That's whenever Jesus wins out. It's whenever the kingdom expands. That's whenever it's about Christ. And it's not about me. It's not, it's not about, you know, me getting my way. It's not about someone getting justice, but it's about 
forgiveness being shown. It's about healing. It's about Jesus being glorified. That's what that's about. So love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. So when we look at what, what Paul is saying here that love is, love never gives up. Love never gives up. There's so many times that I think people give up on, on people. They give up on marriages. They give up on their kids. They give up on things. And love says you never give up. Now, you may be beat down. You may be weary. You may be tired. You may be at the end of your rope. But love says if there's a God, there's a way. And you've got to be willing to lean into that and say, God, I want to represent you. And so I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. There may be times you even have to distance yourself. There may even be some people you have to love from a distance. But love never gives up that, you know, there's a will. Where there's a God, there's a way. Uh, this past weekend, or actually last night, I did a celebration of life for a lady who was baptized right here in this baptistry. She was 80 years old when she got baptized. She came to know Christ. Her son uh, got saved. And then, uh, he, you know, I, I went over to his house. He ended up giving his life to Christ. And he said, man, my family wants to meet with you. And so we sat down and his son and daughter put their faith in Christ and his mom and his sister. And so we, we baptized, her, baptized her here. Actually, her son baptized her. She was 80 years old. And, I was, and we were talking about that last night that, you know, it's never too late unless you breathe your last. It's kind of like what, uh, what Pastor uh, uh, Andre said last week. He said, it's, it's good news as long as you hear it in time. And so it's important for us to share the gospel. It's important for us to love people. And, and, but I'm th- sitting there thinking about, you know, you mean, don't ever give up. Because as long as you've got breath in your body, there's an opportunity for you to get your life right with Christ. Your kid can do the same. Your, your dad can do the same. Your mom can do the same. There's hope for those that are broken. And we're all broken, right? And so we've got to be willing to say, you know, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. You know, my prayer every week is that people will walk through these doors looking for hope, and they'll find hope here because God's Word gives us hope. And here's the thing. We, we have to love people, and we have to have this hope, you know, you know what, that God is at work. And even whenever I'm teaching, I have this hope in my mind and in my heart that, you know what, that the gospel is going forward and that someone's going to hear the good news and someone is going to literally be changed forever because of the word of God. That's my hope every week. And, and, and so we get to be a part of that. And so here's the thing. So it's not only in here, but it's wherever we go. So wherever we go, and for every one of us, just like we were talking about last week, you know, with Andre being on mission, wherever we go, we have an opportunity to share that hope. If we really love God, we really love the kingdom of God, we really love his word, and we love what he says, then we've got to be on mission and have that mentality. So when you decide, no matter what, to love and make that choice consciously, constantly, and consistently, it creates a firm foundation. So every, every relationship really needs a, a firm foundation. And if you want a marriage that is uh, solid, you need a firm foundation. And, and, and I'm just telling you, you, build it on the Word of God and a relationship with Christ, it's the best foundation you can build on. Because everything else kind of, you know, ebbs and flows. Feelings and all those things. Even, like I said, past experiences, maybe things that our, our family taught us, our family of origin type stuff. That stuff doesn't last. But when we, we literally make this decision, it's a decision, right? When you decide, no matter what, to love and to make that choice consciously, constantly and consistently, it creates a firm foundation. And, and, and here's the thing. To be honest with you, relationships are the most important thing anyway. That celebration of life last night, that lady will leave things behind. And, and I, I said this last night. I said, you know, a lot of your, your treasures will literally become trash. They'll throw it away. You know, and uh, they'll pick it up and they're like, what the heck is this? Why were they saving this? 
You know, and they'll just throw it away. Just throw it away. And there'll be bags of trash that'll be thrown away that are your treasures. And some of y'all are probably getting your feelings hurt right now, me, me talking about that. But you got to understand, it's not about stuff. It's about relationships with the Holy God, relationships, you know, with Jesus Christ. And then here's the thing, relationships with the people around us. That's what lasts forever. The stuff that we, we are, work so hard to accumulate, we will not take it with us. We'll leave it behind. And so here's the thing, whenever we get to heaven, it's to be, it'll be the relationships, the people that had a relationship with Christ that went on before us, that's who we'll be spending time with, right? That's who we will see. And so we've got to have that mentality. It's about relationships, not about stuff. Because feelings change from moment to moment. They can't always be trusted. We know that. We've covered this for three weeks. You know, they ebb and flow. Like I said, how you sleep, if you're hungry, you're hangry, whatever. All those, they just can't be trusted. They're everywhere. So biblical love is not a feeling or an emotion. It is a decision. So don't miss that. It's a decision. It's an action and it's sacrificial. You think about Jesus left heaven. That's an action. He left heaven. He left everything behind. I love that picture. Jesus left everything behind, heaven and all, to come here for relationships. When we leave here, we're leaving everything behind, really, for a relationship. It's all about relationships. And it's about true love that is based on not emotions, but on a decision, right? So our, our ability to be even being able to have a relationship with God at all is based on a decision that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That He is the way, the truth, and the life. We believe that. And so we make a decision to surrender our life. And I mean, when we say surrender our life, it's not like having a prayer, a little prayer. It's like, I surrender my life. I give you everything. I surrender all. And, and so when we do that, that is, that's a sacrificial decision that we've made. So it's an action and it's sacrificial. It's not something you feel. It's something you practice. And I think that's important. It's not something you feel. It's something you practice. There are going to be plenty of days whenever you get up and you may not feel like doing something, but you know what God's Word says and you do that because it's the right thing to do, Right? And so we have to be willing to say, God, help me to not live in my feelings, but to live in my faith. Let my faith be so genuine, my faith be so real, that the decision that I made affects everything that I do. It's how I live. So whatever your job might be, you don't work as under man, you work as unto the Lord. And so therefore, how you work is part of your witness to the people around you. And, and it's because you love God, not because you love your job so much. It's because you love God. And you love his word and you love his truth. And you go, you know what? God, I, I want to be a witness for you. And so here's the thing. We love our neighbor. We love our neighbor because God has told us to love our neighbor. You know, and we love them. We don't hate them. We love them. And so we've got to have this, this whole mind swap, if you will, this whole change of the way we're thinking. Matt Chandler says this. Love says, I've seen the ugly parts of you and I'm staying. He's got that statement in a book. And I love that. And so here's the thing. God saw our ugliness. He saw how broken we were. And he said, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to save them and I'm going to place within them my spirit. So literally the presence of God is within the believer. And so he sees your ugliness and he chooses to stay. And so love says, I've seen the ugly parts of you and I'm staying. So to me, that's what you see in a, a marriage commitment. Like we talk about marriages. We, we talk about it's not a contract to be broken. It is a commitment to be honored. It's a decision to be made. It's a vow that you promise. And I know in this day and age, there's so many divorces that happen all the time. But a lot of times it's because the focus is on the things of the world, not what God's Word says. And, and we're looking for a love that the world is selling rather than what God says, hey, is available to every believer. And so we've got to be able to say, God, change the way I think about love. So that's what Christ did when he demonstrated his love on the cross. He chose us despite our ugliness, despite your jealousy and your anger and your greed and all these things that we could list out about ourselves, you know, our, our selfishness. And that's all of us. 
despite all the ugliness, he chose to come and go to the cross and bleed out his precious blood to pay for all those sins so that we could be in a right relationship with the Holy God. That's love. And then he, he commissions us. He gives us this message of reconciliation that we go out and we literally tell people how they can be made right with God. And why, did he, why would he choose us? Because he loves us and he trusts us and he believes in us. You know what I'm saying? And so, so God chose us in spite of our ugliness. So Jesus loves us and he chose us. He chose us. He said, hey, listen, I'm going to work through the church. Hey, this is going to be my vessel. This is going to be my method. This is how I'm going to reach the world. You guys are going to take my message of love and of forgiveness to the ends of the earth. That's what you do. And so where does that start? It starts right here in my backyard. And so I literally, literally have an opportunity to share the love of Christ wherever I go. At my workplace, at my school, where you work out at, doesn't matter. So what you're saying, whenever you say, hey, listen, I'll give you my life. When I surrender my life, you're saying, hey, I'll give you everything. So it's how I act and how I live out my faith no matter where I go. So when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. So what Paul is saying, is, listen, at God's perfect timing, he sent his son to die for the sins of the world. God's timing is always perfect. But we were yet sinners. Now, my, now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. I love how Paul says this. He goes, you know, most of us, you know, somebody's a pretty good person. We might say, well, you know, hey, I'm not dying for them. Now, you may know somebody you think, you think, I might be willing to die for them. But Paul even says, hey, listen, there, you know, some of us might be willing to die for somebody that's like the cream of the crop. Like, some of those persons, it's really good. I mean, I'm talking about like we all go, you know, they are awesome. They're like really, really good. You might be willing to die for them is what he's saying. But here's what I love what he just said. He said, Jesus died for us and we were not the cream of the crop. We were not the really good ones. He came and died for the really broken ones. You know, the least of these. He died for the ones that really needed the most. You know? And so Paul is saying, hey, listen, some of us might think about it that way. He said, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Not the cream of the crop, but the worst that there could be. The lowest of the lowest. That's us. That's what Jesus left heaven to come here for was all of us. And so here's the thing. All of us need a Savior, right? We all need that. And so that, I mean, he saw our ugliness and he still came after us. So Jesus modeled love for us. And so he, he modeled what it meant to love us. He modeled what it meant to love others. He modeled what we ought to see is that God's love for us ought to be evident in us. And then it ought to be evident to the people around us that God loves them. And so we love God. We love them. And so that's what Jesus ta he taught us to do. Jesus, someone asked you, hey, what's the greatest commandment? He said, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That's, that's with every ounce of your fiber. That's with your whole life. This is the first and greatest commandment. So if you want to know, hey, what's the greatest thing you could ever do? Is to love God with every ounce of your fiber. Say, God, I want to live for you. I want to live for you, and I want to make a difference. I want to, I want to be a vessel that you could work in and work through. And so whenever you say, hey, that's what I'm doing, you line up with the very teachings of Jesus, and you line up with the Word of God. And then here's the second one. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart. Look at the second one. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets based on these, are based on these two commandments. So Jesus is saying, listen, we're to love God, and we're to love people, right? So y'all say it with me. Love God. Oh, y'all can do better than that. It's terrible. Y'all, that's worse than what y'all did with Andre last week. And y'all didn't even know that word. Y'all know English, I hope. Uh, even if it's redneck English, say it. All right. So love God. That's better. Love people. Yeah. Doesn't that sound good? That's what our, we're so commanded to do. That's what we're supposed to do. And so the question is, do I love God, number one, with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, 
Do I love him with everything that's in me? And do I love people? Because that's what Jesus told me to do. Because a lot of times we hate people. We don't like being around them. You know, there's, we, we got our reasons, you know, and we try to justify our sin. But the thing is, we're to love God and we're to love people. That's what we do. That's what we're called to do. So in the Greek, I want to give you kind of four different definitions of love, if you will, that we see in the Greek. Like I said a while ago, we roll everything into love. Like we love, you know, everything. You know, we love hot weather. We like cold weather. We like whatever. And so we love all this stuff. So in the Greek language, there, the New Testament, there are four words that are commonly get translated into our English word for love. Here's the first one, storge, storge, which means love for family. So we're to love our family. There's a, a familial love, if you will. And so we're to love our family. And some of you guys are going like, man, I don't, I don't really agree with that because I don't like my family. You don't get to choose your family, right? You get to choose your friends, but you were given your family. But the Bible teaches us that we're to love our family. And here's the thing, hopefully, prayerfully, we have the mentality that we love our family enough that we want to be an influence and an impact in our family. We want to be the light of Christ in our family. And for some of you guys, you've got family members that don't know Christ. Instead of being bitter towards them and maybe even hating them, being resentful towards them, scripturally we're supposed to forgive them and love them. And I know some of them may have done some things to you, but if you're holding on to bitterness and hate and resentment rather than love, you're robbing yourself of the blessings that God wants to give us. And so even our family, we're to love. Phileo, which is a brotherly love or friend, friend love, is the love of friend, friendship where there is a common bond that is shared. You know, I shared this earlier, you know, in, in our church, I have, have blood relatives and stuff, but I am probably closer and my family is probably tighter. I'm more tight with this church family than I am with some of my even blood family. And, uh, and some of my friends, they're all here. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I've got friends in other places and stuff that we stay in, in touch on the phone and stuff like that. But my closest friends would be here. You know, and so we have a common bond. We worship together. We serve together. We, we try to make a difference in this community together. And so that's part of what we do together. And so there's a, there's a phileo uh, love, which is a brotherly love. And then there's eros, is the love of deep desire. That is the love of intimacy and romance. We get the word erotic from the root uh, Greek eros. And so many of you guys may have thought, hey, well, that's what, you know, that's the Valentine's love. Only, only, only in the confines of marriage, within the boundaries of marriage, it is not for, hey, I'm dating somebody. That's not okay. A lot of people say, well, you know, well, Mike, you know, we're living together trying to figure it out. Well, that's not okay. That's sin. That's, that's what it is. Now, I know it's a popular thing right now, but I'm just telling you, if you want to line up with the Word of God, you say, hey, you know what? I want to experience that in the confines of a marriage, in the boundaries of a marriage, which again, those boundaries are healthy. And so we got to be able to say, God, I want to line up with your Word, not with what the world is selling. Because the world says, hey, man, you do whatever you want to do. It's your body. You do whatever you want to do. And here it goes back to if we surrender everything, including our body, then it's no longer mine, but it's, it's a vessel for God to use. And so I want God to be glorified through that body. And so I've got to be one to say, God, I want to line it with your word. And I want to literally follow your truth because I believe it to be truth. And so this eros is a beautiful thing. Here, and I would even say this, in, in marriage, within the boundaries of marriage, it is worship to a holy God. It is worship to a holy God because we are lining up with his word. We're doing what he says. And he says to enjoy it, to explore each other. Y'all enjoy it all you want to within marriage. Outside of that, it's sin. And don't ask God to bless your sinful relationship if you're more interested in hanging on to the sin than you are to the God who can forgive you of that sin. And so you just got to be willing to say, God, I want to line up with your word. And then here's the last one, agape. It's a love that refers to a commitment. And this implies action. So think back to commitment and action. 
God loved us so much, he sent his only son. He loved us, he made a commitment, he sent his son Jesus to die for us, right? And it implies action. So here's the thing. We can't just say, hey, listen, I love people and it's all about feelings. That love really should be a commitment, a vow, a promise. And here's the thing. It should be followed with action. You can tell somebody that you love them and not do what you ought to be doing. That's not really love according to what Scripture teaches so agape is the love that refers to a commitment that implies action. The com- this commitment recognizes the infinite worth of others and does so without partiality. This is the love of God. So in other words, you're saying, hey, listen, I'm going to choose to love people. I'm, wi- I'm willing myself. I'm making myself choose to love people. It's not on feelings. So my unwillingness to love indicates that I adopt the worldly view of love, which is based on feelings and merit. So look at what it says again. My unwillingness to love indicates that I adopt So in other words, I'm adopting what the world is selling rather than what God is offering me. So I'm adopting that as my worldview or how I want to do love. I want it to be based on feelings and merit. So look at this. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. See, if you think it's all about feelings, God's saying, hey, let me change that. Let me show you that it's about commitment and action and movement. It's about a decision that you make. He said, but, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Who doesn't want to know God's will? I mean, I do. I want to know God's will. I want to be in the center of God's will. And so we've got to be able to say, God, you know, I want those things. I desire those things more than I desire the things of this world. And then this is what the last verse in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 here. So we're dropping down. And this is the way he, Paul kind of ends that chapter. He says, three things will last forever. Faith, that's important, right? Faith is important. Hope is important. I think we'd all agree. But he says, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And he got, or he's already given us all that other stuff. He said, a lot of this other stuff doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. If you don't love God, if you don't love people. He said, that's what changes everything. So we're not going to like everyone, nor are we called to. But we are called to love everyone, regardless of how we feel about them. You know, I've often thought uh, at times, you know, there's people that I go, you know, man, I, I love that person. I just don't really like them being honest they get on my nerves uh i don't like i don't like how they do some things or whatever and i thought one time what if what if what if jesus felt that way about me what if he goes you know mike i love you i know i I gotta die for you but i don't really like you and here's the thing the cool thing is he's changing me right i can't change anybody but what i can do i can follow him and i can say jesus i want to i want to really love people i want to love them enough that I serve them, that I pray for them, that I care for them, and that I want to be around them so that I can share the gospel with them. So we got to be willing to say, God, I, I want to follow Jesus, not what my flesh wants to do. So here's our next steps. I want to choose Jesus. Best, best choice you can make is that really it's the only way you experience real love. So maybe you've been searching for love in all the wrong places like the old song. Man, it's Jesus. That's where you find real love, true love, not emotions, not feelings. But something that is commitment, something that is life-changing, something that is eternal. Choose Jesus. And maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online, you go, that's what I need. I've been, I've been waiting. And I'll just tell you this, there's people that sit around waiting for Jesus to give them this warm, fuzzy feeling before I make a commitment to surrender my life. You're, you're still basing your decisions on emotions, not on fact, not on truth. And so you're wanting that warm, fuzzy feeling that maybe when I give my life to Christ, maybe I'll feel it. It ain't about feelings, it's about faith. Right? It's about faith. I can remember whenever I walked down the aisle at the age of 19, I gave my life to Christ. Here's the thing. 
I felt emotions. I was weeping uncontrollably. And I was broken over my sin. But that's not what saved me. My, what saved me was my faith in Christ. And I remember sitting there, on my, getting on my knees and, and releasing everything, letting it go. And when I stood up, I knew, here's the thing, I knew that I was a child of God. I knew that I was saved. I knew that I was born again. I knew that my life had been changed at that moment. And so it wasn't based on feelings, it was based on what I knew. But the emotions were there. But if you're just waiting on emotions, you're waiting on the wrong thing. You're buying what the world is selling. And so you got to choose Jesus. It's a decision to surrender your life. And here's the last one. To choose to love as Jesus loves me. So I can't choose to love the way I want to love. i got to be willing to say, God, I want to love the way that Jesus loves people. I want to love that's that agape love. I want to love that it's not based on my emotions or my feelings. not even based on what they do. It's just a decision that I make to love them no matter what. And I'll just tell you this. He loves you that way. God loves you that way. And hopefully you'll receive his love today. And here's the thing. You'll be that vessel. You'll be that channel that God shares his love with the lost world through you. And people, whenever they see you, they see the love of God that you have for, for God. And they see the love that you have in, inside of you for them because of God. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe, maybe your whole life, you've been sold a different version of what love is. And so maybe for you right now, you realize, you know what? True love is Jesus. It's me putting my faith in Christ. It's me receiving the, the, the love of God, the gift of God. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Just say, Jesus... I know you love me. And so, Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life. Will you forgive me of my sins? Because there are many. I'm broken. So, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. And I want you to change the way that I think. I want you to change the way that I live. That's repentance. And, Jesus, I want to live for you. And I want to be your vessel. I want to be your hands. I want to be your feet. I want to give you my entire life. And I want to live for you. If you just prayed that prayer... That is the prayer of salvation. That is the prayer of surrender. And here's the thing. It's, it's not so much what you say with your lips. It's what you do with your heart and with your life. And if you just prayed that prayer, anybody in the room, if you would, would you just raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer with you. Anybody, just raise your hand high. I see your hand right here. I see you, brother. Welcome to the family of God, brother. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see your hand right over here. Welcome to the family of God. I may not see your hand. God sees your heart. He knows what you just prayed. Anybody else? Welcome to the family of God. There's two or three that have raised their hand in here. So welcome to the family of God. That's, that's, that's you receiving God's greatest gift, God's love. But you know, I believe there's a lot of believers sitting in this room that, man, you have bought a false version of love. You're following the pattern of this world. And I believe that God may be calling you to repentance today. That you might die to what you're grabbing onto, what you're chasing after. And say, man, I want God's truth. I want God's word I want what is real. And maybe there's some things you need to confess. Maybe you've got a spouse you need to confess some things to. Maybe there's some things you need to say, you know what? It's time for me to be a person of action. I need to be a person of commitment. We need healthy boundaries in our marriage. And, and I'll just say this. If you're, if you're not married and you're, you know, you're engaged in, in sexual 
uh, that eros love you think is, is supposed, that, that that's what it is. I would encourage you, man, to confess that as sin and say, God, help me to get my life right, my heart right. Because, God, I want to honor you with everything, every part of my life. I know that's not popular, but I'm just telling you, that's truth. In just a minute, the worship team is going to lead us in a song. Our prayer team will be here to pray with you. There's, the altars are open. You're welcome to come. Maybe you're watching online. You can get down beside your chair there. You can pray. But, you know, God wants to, he wants us to be people of action, too. He is. He wants us to be people of action. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. I thank you for the salvation for these that have raised their hand. God, I thank you that they have experienced your love. God, they've experienced you. You are love. And God, they've become a vessel of your love to share that love with others. God, I, I thank you for the people that are sitting in this room, those that are watching online. God, I pray that today we would get our mind around what real love is and we would live it out.